You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Christ, the same God. They're one. The image of Christ, the same Holy Spirit. Not only were these believers' prayers answered, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they became one. They became united. They became unified. And you know that when they are together, when there's a oneness, it's very difficult to break that oneness. And Satan knew this, so he had to come up with a new trick. These believers were one heart and one soul. They had unity. Today, Pastor Dave will be explaining how God greatly desires His church to be unified, not divided. One of the main goals of the enemy is to sow seeds of discord, causing arguments to create a divided church. Remember, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. The battle is being waged in the spiritual realm. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Holy Spirit Strikes Back. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Acts. Today we will be in Acts 5. We will start chapter 5 of the book of Acts. Acts 5, verses 1 through 11. I'll read aloud as you read along silently, please. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came among all those who had heard these things. The young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead and carried her out and buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Title of this message today is The Holy Spirit Strikes Back. Now, if you're like me, the first thing you think about when you hear that is Star Wars, right? Yes, you remember it. Who was a Star Wars fan? Yeah. Oh, come on. Star Wars, yes. You remember? You remember the movies in a galaxy far, far away? We met Luke Skywalker. Princess Leia, Han Solo, Chewbacca, R2-D2, C-3PO, and of course, Darth Vader. The first knew me was aptly named Star Wars, and it ended with the rebels destroying the Death Star and celebrating having won the battle over the Empire. As it ended, we saw the rebels as they continued their preparations for going to war, this war that was ongoing. 
The second movie, strangely enough, is called Empire Strikes Back and shows the strength of the evil empire as it regroups and begins building a new Death Star. It now has all this power and it seeks to destroy the rebels and destroy the rebellion once and for all. The empire changes tactics during this time and they seek to enlist Luke who happens to be Darth Vader's son, to join the forces from the dark side. They're seeking to infiltrate from within. We also see the perseverance of the rebels, who they continue to fight back. In fact, the movie ends as it sets up the third movie, The Return of the Jedi. And when finally, the Empire is defeated. The rebel forces and all that around them celebrate and rejoice that all was made well again. Similarity in chapter 4 of the book of Acts. Satan has been trying to attack the new church from the outside. Satan has been trying to persecute the new church into silence. He has tried these things, but guess what? His effort failed. He was defeated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We know that to be true. We read that in the last several weeks. Before the Sanhedrin released Peter and John, they had strongly threatened them not to preach in the name of Jesus again. But upon their release, where do we find them? Peter and John immediately go to the fellowship. They immediately pray for boldness, and they pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon them. They pray that the Lord would do signs and wonders and work, that his name might be glorified, and that the name of his holy servant Jesus would be the one that is placed before these people. You can find that in Acts 4, 29-30. They, like the rebels in the Star Wars movies, continued their preparation for the war that is continuing to rage the war that rages even today between new believers and believers and those that would destroy the church, those that would destroy the church from outside. But the weapons that these new believers used were prayer, and they asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These were the weapons that they chose to use. Satan attempted to silence the church from the outside, and he failed miserably. It's interesting that since the last 2,000 years, Over 2,000 years now, Satan has still been trying to silence the church through persecution. He is still today trying to silence that church through persecution from outside forces. We clearly see that wherever godly men and women stand up for righteousness, persecution is not far behind. In fact, the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, using his own life as an example, tells that that we can not only expect persecution, but we can also expect deliverance from the Lord, and through his word, we can become even stronger. Look at 2 Timothy 3. In 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 to 17, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, where persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will suffer persecution. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and to be assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is given by God, by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is saying that although there's going to be persecution, although you are going to suffer, trust in the work that God will do through his word, the work that God has promised. Remember, he has promised to begin that work and he has promised to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's a promise that we can cling to. It's interesting also 
that although this outside persecution has been happening for a long, long time, the church is flourishing. Check out the churches in North Korea. Check out the churches in China. And check out the churches in these other countries where persecution from the outside exists. They are flourishing. In fact, they said that there are more believers in these churches than in the entire world. It's been known that when the fire get hot, people go to Christ. And when persecution exists, people run to where they know they have safety and where they have secure. And we are safe and secure in Jesus Christ. The church of Christ continues to grow and it continues to gain strength regardless of the persecution. The word of God can't be stopped. No one can stop the word of God. It cannot be silenced. It will go forth. And it certainly will do that. What is it intended to do? What is it intended to do? It's intended to reproof, correct, instruct. It's profitable for doctrine. Why? So that man would be ready for every good work of God. The word of God is righteous. It's holy. And it comes to us straightly from God. His Holy Spirit had men write it down. And we read it. And we're encouraged to obey it. And when we obey it, we become stronger. And the word of God flows freely through us. And people are touched by that. It can't be stopped. It will go forth. It will do what it is intended to do. It'll change your life. It'll draw you closer to Jesus Christ and it'll make you a witness for him. And people will be drawn to that witness. So Satan tried to silence the early church from the outside. And now we start to read, just like the evil empire in Star Wars, Satan changes his tactics. He regroups, so to speak, and he begins to come against the church from within. And just as Darth Vader did, trying to get his son Luke to join the forces of the dark side, Satan now tries to destroy and silence the church by recruiting some of its own from within its walls. Believers, people who are trusting in Jesus Christ, Satan is now going to try to lie to them, to dissuade them, to get them to come over to the dark side. This is a new threat, a far more dangerous and insidious threat, a threat that will come from within, not a threat that will come from the outside. It comes from the church itself. Believers who will be deceived, or even worse, people who come in who are wolves in sheep clothing, come in with one purpose, and that's to divide. Divide God's people. This is set up in chapter 4. In chapter 4, we see this happening, and we studied these verses last time. We, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. We looked at Acts 4, 32 through 35. Let me read those. Now, the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of these things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone who lacked among them. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed them to anyone who had need. Let me paint the picture for you. Peter and John had been released from by the Sanhedrin. They had been warned not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ again. So they went to the other believers, and they prayed immediately for boldness. They prayed immediately for the Holy Spirit to be filling them so that they could be witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The main theme of the gospel message is the resurrected Christ who is alive today in our hearts and who lives today and is seated on the right hand of God the Father. And everything that has happened from Pentecost until now, tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit coming upon them with power, the witness of Peter about salvation, 3,000 being saved that first day, the healing of the lame man at the gate beautiful, their boldness in front of the Sanhedrin, their continued boldness all this was the evidence 
that Christ was alive because all this was the evidence that Christ was doing the work through his Holy Spirit. And that's why the resurrection is so important when we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same Christ is alive today. The same Christ is alive right now, working in your heart, trying to conform you into the image of God through his Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit, the same Christ alive in the world, convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The same Holy Spirit, the same Christ, the same God. They're one. The image of Christ, the same Holy Spirit. Not only were these believers' prayers answered, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they became one. They became united. They became unified. And you know that when they are together, when there's a oneness, it's very difficult to break that oneness. And Satan knew this, so he had to come up with a new trick. These believers were one heart and one soul. They had unity. They were of like minds. They were one. There's tremendous strength in the unity of the brethren. Tremendous strength when we come together as one and we have like minds, and that mind happens to be Jesus Christ. What tremendous strength we have as a body. Satan knows this, and he works to destroy this oneness by planting seeds of discord in our minds and in our hearts. Seeds that would destroy this oneness. And he uses the very people we fellowship with. We're going to see that in the text we read today. Satan wants to destroy this power because he knows, he knows what can happen with it. He knows the souls and the lives that would be changed by the power of the resurrected Jesus Christ. He wants to destroy it. He wants to take away the witness. He knows all too well. The oneness that the new believers had in Acts 4 led them to begin selling things. They started selling their possessions as a need arose. They saw somebody with a need. They sold land or whatever they had, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. The apostles would then take it, and they would distribute it among those who had need. This is what began to happen. And one of these people, one saint, Luke mentions. Remember, Luke is the author of the book of Acts. He mentions one saint in particular in Acts 4, 36 and 37. He says, and Joseph, whose name was Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Enter Barnabas. This is our introduction to the son of encouragement. We said last week that Barnabas is going to have an extremely important part in the new church. In fact, Luke will mention him in the book of Acts no less than 25 times. And the other writers of the epistles mention him at least five more times. But I think the main reason that Barnabas is introduced right here is not only because he was a generous giver. Yes, he was indeed a generous giver. And he was the epitome of Luke was trying to describe. But this notable act, this act that Barnabas did, led to a husband and wife becoming envious. They saw the accolades given to Barnabas. They saw how everybody was happy with Barnabas. And what they did, they wanted to be like Barnabas. As they were watching this happen, and I'm sure someone came into their ear and started saying, you can be just like Barnabas. In fact, you can be better than Barnabas. I can raise you up, and you can be, get the applause of men. You can get the applause of all the apostles, and they'll look to you and go, wow, you're very spiritual. His name is Ananias. Her name is Sapphira. They were husband and wife. They had a possession. We're told in verse 3 that it was some land. But when they sold the land, they kept back part of the proceeds, and they laid the rest of the proceeds at the feet of the apostles. Was this wrong? No. But they lied about it. They lied about it. They told the apostles that whatever they sold the land for, that was what they were lying at the feet of the apostles. They both agreed to this plan, so they were both accountable. 
Peter calls them on this, saying, you kept back part of the proceeds for yourself. You obviously sold it for one price. You gave the apostles the money to the needy, but in fact, you lied. Why did you lie? Why did they keep back some of that money? Why did they have the need to lie? Well, I think they wanted to look good in the fellowship. They wanted to appear more spiritual than they really were. You know the name for this? Jesus did. Hypocrisy. Jesus calls it hypocrisy. There's a man by the name of George MacDonald wrote this. I found this quote to be fascinating. Quote, half of the misery in the world comes from trying to look like what we are not instead of trying to be who we are. Wow. The definition of a hypocrite is a person who in, pretends to have values and moral values or religious beliefs that indeed they don't even possess. In fact, the Greek word used here actually means someone wearing a mask, someone who's an actor portraying a role. Hypocrite. Where in Warsby says this, hypocrisy is deliberate deception, trying to make people think we are more spiritual than we really are. Here we see Satan trying his best to derail the early church with a new tactic. He fills Ananias' heart with lies. And Peter asked Ananias directly, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the peace of the land for yourself? Obviously, Peter was in tune with the Holy Spirit. He had discernment, and the Holy Spirit was giving him this discernment through a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Again, we see a very interesting point here. Peter is the one calling these people on this lie. You don't think Peter knows what it feels like to be, be led off by Satan? You don't think Peter knows all too well what that feels like? In fact, we read in Matthew 16, in verse 23, after Jesus told him, you know, the great profession of Peter, thou art the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus went on to tell him that he must go to Jerusalem and he must be handed over to the Gentiles and be, be killed and, and die. Peter goes, far be it from you, Lord. What did Jesus say to him in verse 23? Get behind me, Satan. So Peter knows all too well what it feels like to have Satan in his body, in his midst. Also, Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 31, and the Lord said to Simon, 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 indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And you all know what happened. Peter denies Jesus three times. Three times. So Peter knows all too well what's happening here. Peter knows all too well. This may be why Peter was the first to spot this deception. He was the first to spot this thing that was happening. Ananias' heart was filled with lies. We know that Satan is the father of lies. In John 8, 44, Jesus is talking to the Jews about their father, Abraham. And they say, our father is Abraham. And he says to them, you, you are of your father, the devil, and desires of your father you have want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. Satan is the father of all lies. Peter tries to seek the truth from Ananias. He says, while it remained in your control, wasn't it yours? After you sold the money, wasn't it not yours? In other words, it was your money. You could have done anything you wanted to do with it. But you chose to bring it here and act all pompous and neat and lay it before the Lord and said, this is my gift because I sold the land for this much and that's what I'm giving. Aren't I righteous? Aren't I pure? Hypocrite. Hypocrisy. Jesus speaks pretty, pretty bad about hypocrisy. And you can read the woes in Matthew, but in Matthew 6, verse 2, Jesus says this, Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues 
and in the streets, that they may have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Again, in Matthew 6, 5, he says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Are your deeds done so that men may pat you on the back? Are your deeds done so that people would think that you are righteous? So that people will look at you and go, ooh, that man's very holy. Is that why we do things? Is that the matter of our heart? We need to be so careful. We need to be so careful of what we do and why we do it. And we need to ask ourselves, why am I doing this? Am I doing this for the praises of men? Or am I doing this for the praises of God? We need to purge our heart. We need to cleanse our heart. Are we wearing a mask? If you're wearing a mask, Jesus has something very, very bad to say to you in Matthew 23 when he gives this list of woes. And we come down to my favorite. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead man bones and uncleanliness. Wow. Jesus had some pretty nasty words to say about those that wear masks, those that are hypocrites. Peter says to Ananias in Acts 5, verse 4, why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. This sin that Ananias was doing was conceived in his heart. He wanted to look good before the congregation. He wanted to look good before the people. He wanted to hear applause for his good deed. But God is not mocked. And here, Peter accuses Ananias of lying to God. Wait a minute. Aha, we have a contradiction. I knew this word wasn't true. There's a contradiction in here. Because in verse 3, Peter accuses Ananias of lying to the Holy Spirit. And in verse 4, he says, lying to God. Aha, contradiction. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. There is no contradiction. There is no contradiction in our Bible. Peter is equating the two together, telling you that if you lie to God, you lie to the Holy Spirit. If you lie to the Holy Spirit, you have lied to God. And what does this do? It shows you the deity of the Holy Spirit. When someone comes to you and tells you that our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is not deified, does not have godly attributes, take them to this passage and say, oh yeah, it proves right here that they are one and the same. One and the same. Satan knows how to lie to our hearts and our minds. He knows how to lie to your hearts and your minds. Those people who are genuine Christians, he can get them to follow our orders. He can get them to follow his lead. If you don't believe me, what is the admonition about spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18? Paul wrote this to believers. He didn't write this to unbelievers. He wrote this to believers to put on the armor of God. So we can be deceived if we're not careful, if we're not ever watchful. We can be deceived. Where I do not believe that a Christian can be possessed, where a being actually comes into your body and possesses you, I do believe that we as Christians can be led astray. We can believe a lie, and we can be led astray. And we got to be ever watchful and ever careful. So as we move down in our scripture, now we see the Holy Spirit going to strike back. The Holy Spirit is going to clear the air. When Ananias said these words, boom, he fell down dead. You are Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of Acts. This book follows the journeys of many disciples, but especially of the Apostle Paul. He took several missionary trips to tell others about Jesus, and he acquired many companions along the way. Wouldn't it be interesting to be a traveling missionary? 
he met many people who readily accepted the message he was bringing. In other cities, his life was threatened and he was pushed out as people didn't want to hear about the way. But being a Christian isn't meant to just be an easy road. As Paul's life displayed, you go into it knowing that there will be obstacles that you face. Is it worth it, you might ask? Of course it is. The prize that you'll be rewarded is far more precious than the things of this world. Staying true to Jesus, who gave up everything for you, is the best way you can live your life for Him. We're so glad we got to spend time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on Sunday mornings. Check out AsureHopeRadio.com for service times and directions. Once again, that's AsureHopeRadio.com. And don't worry if you can't make it in person. On the website, you'll notice links to our live stream via Facebook and YouTube. All of these can be accessed through AsureHopeRadio.com. Don't forget to come back next time as Pastor Dave continues to go through the book of Acts again, right here on Assure Hope.